0: Today is Tuesday, December 12th, 2017.
1: And on this episode of the Creative Church Podcast, we talk with Amy Wolf, the creator of the Don't Give Up Signs movement.
0: This episode is sponsored by StockUp. StockUp is the most affordable way for you to create video content. For $25 a month, you get unlimited license-free 5K, 4K, and HD stock video. From aerials to missions videos to Christmas to Easter, StockUp has everything you need, and they're adding 1,000-plus new clips each month stop hundreds of dollars per clip and get all the 4k pro res files you need for only $25 a month stock up is the source for unlimited stock video for only $25 a month download an unlimited amount of files no contract and no licenses if you want to give stock up a try right now they're offering full access to their entire library for free for the first 14 days all you have to do is go to stockupcom slash creative church that's s-t-o-k-h-u-b.com slash church that's S D O K without a C. Stock up without a C. You're listening to the Creative Church Podcast, where each week we talk about the latest in Christian creative culture and explore the lives of prominent creatives. I'm
1: Nick Goodner, and I'm Ross Montgomery. Ross, how are you doing this week? Anticipatory would be a good word that I would use. I I would
0: use that word as well. I'm a little bit distracted today. I wonder. Because, I wonder what
1: what's distracting you, Nick?
0: Um, well, you know, Christmas is around the corner. Okay. okay. I got a I got a play that I'm directing. Hmm. That's you know, it's a live play thing for church i got that going like on this those week those
1: aren't distractions i feel like there might be something something bigger
0: you know what i think you might be right because um thursday i have my star wars tickets so Those that's 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 something right
1: oh that's this week
0: that's this week oh. i know i know i am i am completely through i have it's been everything in me to not stop today and just watch all the star wars movies <laughs>
1: All of them, even the prequels? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but my tickets are for Thursday at like 11:30 at night. What what are your tickets for?
1: I got noon on Friday.
0: What are you looking forward to? What secret are you looking forward to being revealed in the Star Wars movie? There's no spoilers here because we don't know anything about the movie.
1: Oh no, we know. We know not much. No, no. And um, and
0: we're purist. We haven't even looked up anything about the movie.
1: Well, of course you have got to go with Ray's parents. You've gotta you've gotta learn a little bit more about her origin, why she has um force sensitivity. Mm-hmm. I think we are gonna learn a lot more about Kylo's um motivations and maybe his path/slash new path. I think Luke uh said it best in the trailer. This is Not like anything you would expect it to look like. Um, (laughs) I can't remember the exact quote he said in there. But yeah, I would say the other thing is just everybody's interested to see what they do with uh, General Leia Organa. So I think that'll be also an interesting thing that people will be looking forward to. But again, it's one of those things I truly do think it's not going to look like how we expect. But I'm very excited to see what happens in those realms that I just mentioned. So...
0: I'm excited for all those things. Uh, I mean, I'm just right there with you. But probably one of the mo- most exciting things for me is, is really finding out about Snoke. Because we don't know much about him. And I wonder if he's going to be like an Emperor yeah. character where we're going to need to dive into some prequels 30 years from now. Or if he's going to oh, be yeah. something that's well-rounded and they actually you know feel like he's thought out.
1: Yeah, that, that'd be down on my list for sure.
0: Yeah, I think introducing him this early into the movie series, into the new trilogy, I think is a good indication that he will have a bigger part in play. But yeah, so there, there, there's your Star yeah. Wars update because that, I mean, like I said, I, I've uh, Creative Church this week. It's all Star Wars content, and uh, I, I get to splurge a little bit. You know, entire week of Star Wars content. That's 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 mm-hmm. that's my forte. So there you have it.
1: Yes. Up next, trending.
0: Welcome to Trending. Each week, Ross and I gather one article from last week's headlines that's important to us and that we feel is impacting culture, church, or creators, and we discuss it. Ross, what do you got for us this
1: week? Well, I have an interesting uh, thing on the side of robots because we all love and are looking forward to our robot overlord someday. So The Guardian had this um, news piece talking about San Francisco Sours on rampant delivery robots by saying not every innovation is great great um, because there's a lot of lawmakers um, passing regulations to cut down on delivery robots um, that share the sidewalks with pedestrians. What are the robots being used for? The robots are just technology startups that, uh, that are using the city sidewalks um, to literally just make deliveries, almost like you would use a bike courier. You can use a robot courier. And... Um, Another article I read, and I don't know the source right now, but they said there's even like getting down to the strict things of like, they can't go over three miles an hour. They can't go beyond this certain kind of invisible fence border area of the city, which they're essentially making it impossible for them to be used right now in San Francisco. Um, There's some others like Ohio, I think was another state that's looking into this kind of uh, these kind of laws and what's what that's going to affect. But I mean yeah, if you're walking your kid out on the street, I mean, San Francisco is a lot of city living. So people get around by the sidewalk. Um, and in that other article, um, there were several people, even lawmakers saying, this is a great technology. Maybe right now, maybe not this method of using the sidewalks. Maybe there's a different way to do it and maybe have robot lanes. Maybe we it's something we work forward to. So I think it's a little bit of, they're trying to reel in the, zealous entrepreneurs who want to use robots for all the things. And I think they're saying, hang on, pump the brakes, pump those robot brakes real quick. And like, let's see how we can make this work. So it works out for everybody. And it's not going to congest traffic and it's not going to congest pedestrian foot traffic either. Um, And annoy people that are maybe going to the park to take the picture where full house took place. I mean, you know, you, you just want to have a nice day out and you have to use the sidewalk, but then There's all these robots.
0: I know in the article you sent, it said that um, the legislation uh, suggests that robots need to have a human chaperone at all times which to me automatically i go i go i go well doesn't that make the robots redundant i mean what at that point you're just walking around with a with a furby i mean that's all you got you're just kind of rolling around downtown with a furby i mean there's there's no reason for the robot anymore i don't know what what they're going to decide but i hear that like washington dc they've already gotten these robots and they're not writing any legislation for them what are your thoughts so you live in colorado so mm-hmm. what are your thoughts if all of a sudden you went outside, you know? Castro Rock's kind of a suburb, so I understand you might not see it oh, out your door. Oh, there's a lot of foot
1: traffic in our downtown area, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you went downtown and you saw robots everywhere. I mean, what is your personal response?
1: I, to be honest, would probably be a little annoyed if they were on the sidewalk. But I think, like they said, if there was just a small, I mean, a robot lane could potentially be smaller than a, bike lane. You know, you could do some like magnetic paint stripes that they can like either stay within a boundary or follow a a stripe that they make that can be read by the robot a certain way. You know, I mean there's all kinds and that's just off the top of my head. I mean I'm no engineer by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm sure there's other things um I wouldn't put too much on GPS. Maybe it's getting better uh in some ways. But you know the other thing would be like, man, what if one of these <laughs> falls off the curb? Or get stuck on something or has someone kick it over you know like out of frustration you got you don't want them to break down or go rogue or otherwise incapacitated and just have this like missing delivery out there i mean I, you know i i just i think it's a good idea i think it just needs a little bit of time to develop a little longer i think there's going to have to be a huge infrastructure talk but I mean, I could I could potentially see like a robot lane for deliveries as long as everybody works in tandem with each other. And it's uh, an effective conversation, which, as you know, sometimes when you're dealing with city governments and and the like, uh, those aren't the most effective conversations to be had. So part of me thinks government's going to get in the way and we probably won't see something exactly like this. But, um, you know, I could definitely see it being a possibility.
0: I feel the robots are causing us more trouble than they're worth at this point. But that, oh, at this that, point, I think I think so. Yeah, I, I, yeah.
1: I mean, the drone delivery stuff—we, you know—that obviously hasn't taken off by how people thought, and Ooh, was that some a, different things like that. Was that
0: a pun? The drone delivery hasn't taken off.
1: <laughs> it literally hasn't taken. Literally off.
0: hasn't taken off. Um, and I understand what you're saying about the GPS, you know, GPS technology is not, you know, perfect yet. And that's kind of some of the things that they're dealing with, with the self-driving cars. Uh, you don't want your robot pulling a Michael Scott and driving off into a lake. That's just what you don't want. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just don't use Apple maps and you're fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. A robot using Apple maps, stay away from that robot. Cause it doesn't know where it's going. My article, um, is about the biggest content trends for 2018, according to mm. 11 experts. So, 11 of them. you know, they Turned say one to 11. Yeah, one expert's good, 11 must be phenomenal. The first content trend in 2018 that people think we're going to see or the experts think we're going to see is audience experience will become more important than ever. The, the article goes on to say, it says, as we move towards 2018, now is the time to look at your site structure, your reader's journey, et cetera. When someone arrives at your site or content hub, do they search for something? And if they do, do they find it and hopefully consume it? Where do you get them where you want them to go next? Is it easy for them to get there? Is it a good experience for them? Building an audience in 2018 is more about telling a story, and uh, it's going to be more important than it was in 2017. So you got to make the actual experience of reading or watching way better as well. So this guy, this first expert, I, I, I take it as he's saying our websites have to be better. You know, historically, news websites, publication websites, content websites, some church websites are really bad at displaying content and organizing content in a way that readers can find it and make it accessible to them. You know, they kind of just throw so you, it all you, up you're there.
1: You're saying I shouldn't put all of the gifts that I want to on my GeoCities website.
0: No, I I, I asked you to stop doing that a long time ago. You, you keep doing oh, it. But they're so good.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah,
0: they are OK, but. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> I think that moving forward into 2018, the way the website looks is going to be very important, especially, you know, to add to the expert, what he's saying, I think it's going to be even more important experiencing it on mobile versus just on a desktop website, because a lot of people don't look at websites anymore on their phone or on their computer. They only look on their phone. So that was the first, that's kind oh, yeah. of the first one is, uh,
1: no, for audience. sure. And just to add to that, I don't know if um, you've ever taken a look, uh, you probably have into like the Google analytics that you can look at for your website. Yeah. Uh, and even Facebook analytics give you some incredible depth on that kind of stuff. So I think you're going to see a lot of places, churches and, and companies and maybe even uh, freelancers and, and just entrepreneurs looking into those kind of analytics to, to make decisions with how they um, approach their audience
0: which, I mean, Ross, it's like you're reading the list because it's a perfect segue because the next one is, the next expert says brands will need to think a lot like media companies. And media companies do rely on all that data and all that information to develop how their audience reacts and looks at their website. And uh, I can say this for sure, if you're not doing that already, you're missing out because you don't know anything about your website until you're digging into the hard data and the hard facts from Google Analytics. It helps people it helps you as a content creator, as a website developer, or whatever you are, it helps you to see how the audience is interacting with your website. So we already think like this because we technically, I mean, G- Creative Church is a, is a media company, so we kind of already think like that, um, but it is something that churches, I believe, Strongly need to be thinking out and and entrepreneurs, uh, those of you that run maybe blogs or content sites on the side of your business, you know, to kind of get more customers in. You need to be thinking about how your content's being consumed and how it's being developed. Uh, Number four, the fourth expert says that highly relevant stories will be crucial for driving action. Um, with the ever-increasing clutter and noise online, it will be crucial for brands to focus on reaching their desired audience with thought-provoking material that elicits a clear action at each step. I would encourage brands to build a foundation of content based on flagship stories they are telling, focus on diving deep into key custom customer trends, needs, and solutions, and build a portfolio of highly relevant stories for your markets. High-impact value and continuity will be key for upholding consistent messages in your content avalanche facing your audience.
1: And the one brand I think that's doing this really well right now is Yeti. And I don't know if any, you know, if if you've ever checked out Yeti's YouTube page, they just have some incredible storytelling on their page. And it's not this huge, like, gratuitous shots of their product in the story, you know, like product placement or anything, but they just tell these incredible stories. And, you're engaged in them and you want to watch them. And, and to be honest, as much as I can be like, man, Yeti is just overpriced and I don't want to spend 40 bucks for a 20 ounce mug, you know, but, uh, I know that's a little hyperbole, but it kind of makes you want to buy that because you're like, man, they do care about story. They aren't like trying to shove their product down my throat right now. I didn't feel that way anyway. And I, and I'm even a big critic of them and I didn't feel that they were trying to shove their product down my throat. So
0: yeah, and that's something that reading this, I was thinking because automatically I'm going to go back to Creative Church every single time because that's what I do uh, 80 hours a yeah. the week. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, we we just started, you and I, you know, interviewing different people. You started interviewing people for the podcast, and I've been interviewing people for the website. And, you know, I was just thinking even this week, like, how can we build content that uh, is relevant to what's being talked about? So, for instance, we have Amy on the show today, Amy Wolf from Don't Give Up Signs. So I took some of the things that she said in the interview, which you're going to hear in a few minutes, um, about negativity and uh, about people being negative on social media and how you should react. And I pulled a couple of quotes from her stuff, and mm. uh, I went and developed a whole content piece for Creative Church to share with our listeners and share with our community to show them, hey, here's, how, here's, a, here's a Christian way to react to people, to, act, to react to negative comments, to react to people on the Internet to pull in that kind of content and to loop it back into the story. It just makes for a perfect synergy. And this is something that churches can do. This is, this is so exciting because churches, you can do this because you're already gathering those stories. I see so many churches that have really dove into getting really, really good interview stories for their churches. And you guys can be building content around that for your blogs, for your Facebook posts, for everything. And you don't just have to tell the story each time, but you can expand outside that story. So I really encourage you to, uh, Lean in on that 2018 trend because I think it's going to be a phenomenal one. And I think it's going to be one that's really going to engage a lot of people. Uh, Number five, snackable content will be the key to reaching younger users. I believe this wholeheartedly. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind this is going to be a trend for 2018. We're even working on another podcast right now that's going to be a small eight-minute podcast that's going to be just snackable content that someone can consume each week or each, each day, even lean into that snackable content, lean into that bite-sized media stuff that people can grab onto. Um, and really, you know, something that's learn easy to from. remember
1: too. Like you have to, you can't try to convolute it with content. Um, you know, you've just got to kind of maybe even give yourself limits and boundaries within that to, to make it effective.
0: And I think if you're going to look at churches that are killing it in that area right now, I think you'd have to look at Stephen Burdick because he's doing those two minute videos That are absolutely Mm -hmm. phenomenal. And that's bite-sized media that people can digest and it's easy to digest and they can get it every single day versus coming once on Sunday. They're learning something throughout the week. So lean into that snackable content. Number six, there will be a greater focus on building an audience and brands will begin to monetize their content strategies. This one kind of pertains a little bit more to our entrepreneurs and our creators than it does our mm-hmm. churches. Uh I think that this is something that's already happening where people who know how to develop really good content like even designers and photographers they're already leaning into uh getting more of a greater focus on building their audience and then building their brand so they can monetize the content that they put out. So they can put ads on it and they can get readers and then that can be an extra revenue source for them. I know it's something that, you know, like I said, that's that's our world here at Creative Church, so that's what we we live for, so we know all about that. And uh, I think that I think that it's a good thing for entrepreneurs, especially ones that like photographers that have off season. If you're leaning into your content and you're learning how to monetize what you're writing and what you're developing and what you've learned, then that's a chance to kind of make the books black all year round.
1: Yeah. And even organizing a strategy for your upcoming busy seasons of how you can make yourself stand out, be unique in what you offer. Again, maybe using some of those ideas of snackable content and dynamic content to really Tell those stories beyond just a picture. Like, oh, hey, doesn't this look beautiful? It's not going to cut it anymore. You got to dig deep, and you've really got to focus on the story, and essentially invite uh, your clients, if you're in that side of things, into the story.
0: And I think if you're if you if you want to look at a person that's doing that real well look no further than one of our community's very own jeremy poland i think he does a brilliant job telling stories with the photos that he takes all year round and um really go follow him on instagram or facebook it's jeremy poland and uh, it's just like it sounds and uh, he's a phenomenal phenomenal photographer but even more so he's a very witty funny creative guy that really knows how to kind of develop and tell a story with the photos that he's taking
1: and one of the things that makes me really excited about that list and again go to our Podcast episode page and, and read the whole entire list and take notes, uh, take these into meetings as you're as you're thinking about it. Um, but it makes me excited because <laughs> one of the the mindsets of the creatives is man, people just don't know how to value different parts of creativity, whether it's graphic design or video or or those kind of things, maybe even writing. And so now is a time where that will be a currency. And it will be something that will be valued. So we're getting to that point. And so I think a lot of people that have been in this um, industry or discipline, whatever you want to call it, for a while uh, are really going to see that starting to be something where um, it's going to make a shift. It's going to be important. And it's just going to be um, it's going to be around. And it's just only going to get bigger, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I agree with that. And, and so there's the 12th expert. Yeah, 12th expert. And uh, we might be expounding on this list a little bit. Um, I was even thinking of a few other big content trends that I think I will see in 2018. So we might be expounding on it a little bit. Uh, by, so you can follow our article section on our website to see more. Up next, we have an interview with Amy Wolf from Don't Give Up Signs, and I think it's you know we're, we're seven episodes in. This is probably the best interview we've had thus far on the show. All of our interviews have been great. This one is really powerful and passionate, and you can hear the passion voice. And in her story, whenever she shares this, so stick around. Up next is our interview with Amy Wolf.
1: Amy Wolf is a highly rated senior trainer, executive coach, and event speaker. Amy is also a TEDx speaker coach for TEDx Portland one of the top 10 TEDx organizations in the world. Her greatest thrill is partnering her skills with her personal passions by coaching community leaders in one of her favorite places on earth, Kigali, Rwanda. When Amy's not with clients, she's meeting friends in small coffee shops, scheming to travel the globe, and constantly picking up toys, lots and lots of toys. She also runs a grassroots movement that spread worldwide, don'tgiveupsigns.com. Here's our incredible interview with Amy Wolf. Amy, if you don't mind just giving me a background on what you do and what's led to Don't Give Up Signs.
2: Well, I joined a business that my father started 20 years ago. It's a consulting business where we provide coaching opportunities for people to develop their public speaking skills or presentation skills. Which is cool. It leads me to a lot of different places in the U.S., a lot of different industries, shoe designers, engineers, lawyers, nonprofits, which is pretty cool. But my probably my most favorite place to train is Kigali, Rwanda, where I go every other year and do pro bono training for people in ministry there.
1: What are some of the stories that you've heard um, from that, that pro bono work you do in Rwanda?
2: Well, Rwanda's culture is a very formal one. And so that means after training, I get very formal letters of thanks and gratitude, um, particularly from the Bishop of the Free Methodist Church of Rwanda, which is who facilitates and coordinates our trainings there. His name is Bishop Samuel. And you know, it's interesting, and it kind of weaves into the Don't Give Up movement that began earlier this year. I remember it was last summer, or actually, you know what, it was 2013, the first time I led a team to Rwanda. I did a training with 50 pastors, communication skills training. And at the end of the day, I found myself, I don't know if you've ever had these pinch me moments of how on earth did I get here? But I stood in this room and they were all men, all twice my age. I only could communicate through a translator and they were singing and praying over me. And I had this moment where everyone's eyes were closed and we were praying and singing. And I remember opening one eye and just looking around the room thinking, how did I get here? But we had a really special bond because, you know, I went through my professional training with them, but I ended our session together with a message more from my heart. And that was this mantra that I feel like God gave me where I said, if any time I get in front of a group of people, Lord... I, I will say this, I will claim this, I will proclaim this over them. And for some reason, that message is don't give up. Well, that day with that pastors in 2013, I ended with that message. And, you know, right now I'm looking at my wall. Framed is the letter, the thank you letter from Bishop Samuel. It says, may God bless you richly, your husband, your pastor, and your church in general. We will not give up. This is our commitment. Yeah, so it really, you know, sometimes when I I look Kind of a few years back, I realized that this movement really started in my own heart and stirred and stirred and then finally led to a bigger leap in May of this year of 2017. So what
1: took you from that stirring in your heart to really wanting to make this something tangible?
2: All of my friends know me as a doer. I am task oriented. I have a thought. I need to do it. And I've always, always been that way. Well, our small group at church, we meet every week for the last five years that I've been a part of it. Most of them went on that trip to Rwanda. And this May, we were meeting as a small group, and one of the members was a high school teacher, and he said, you guys will not believe the suicide rates in our community this year. And I about fell out of my chair. I don't remember what the particular number was, but it was enough for me to get into task mode and think, what on earth can we do? With something that's so complex and so private and so dark. How, I don't. How do we spread love? People say spread positivity after mass shootings and fires and disasters. Spread more love. What does that look like? What does that mean? And I was on a hunt to do something tangible. Something to spread hope and love in our community. And that's when these signs actually came to fruition, I suppose. The idea came a couple years earlier, actually. I was reading a book by Bob Goff. And it was in his reading his book with our small group, Love Does, that I was really compelled to think about ways I could show extravagant love towards strangers. And I had that idea two years ago of yard signs, just random yard signs with positive words, specifically, don't give up.
1: Yeah. And no branding, just a very simple message.
2: No, I mean, no branding. I'm not, I have no ambition to run a nonprofit that generates revenue and so i no totally random then the same year our group read the book the gifts of imperfection by brene brown she basically wrote a book about her TED talks a few of them just unpacking those ideas in greater detail but the the book the gifts of imperfection really rocked my world and some of the truths in there like you are worthy of love no matter what and your mistakes do not define you those kind of got sticky in my heart and in my mind and thought, how can I expose shame for the liar it is that says that we are a sum of our mistakes. And if people really knew us, they wouldn't love us. So we keep things hidden and we have shame and it keeps us stuck. And so how can I be kryptonite to shame in really kind of figuring out how I can how I can live in a way that makes people feel like they can be honest and that their mistakes don't define them. So that's also getting sticky in my head and heart. So this year in May, when we heard about the suicide rates, I thought I need to do the yard signs now. And I know exactly what messages I want to put on them.
1: You started getting a lot of momentum. You had um, family and friends starting to order them in different parts of the U.S. to, you know, getting a lot more widespread. What did that look like from your end as you start to see these things take off, people sharing pictures of them or maybe seeing different, I think even a news story I saw was covering the the signs that you guys were doing. Can you talk about the spread and momentum you've been gaining?
2: Sure. So within four days of anonymously staking these signs around our small town of Newburgh, Oregon, Facebook, we have a community Facebook page for citizens of our county, and people started saying, where are these signs coming from? I want to buy them. And We had been anonymous, we had just knocked on doors asking people to put signs in their yards for a few weeks, specifically around the high school. And when we started seeing these messages, we thought, you know, you gotta come out of hiding and empower and equip people if they wanna buy more. Well, we did that, we kind of made a a post about, hey, this is who we are and why we did it. It's just a family, it's not a business, a nonprofit, a company, we're not raising money, we're just trying to spread some um, hope as a family. And I think that was part of one of the reasons why it took off is there's it really was grassroots, as grassroots as you can get. Then we placed random orders. Uh, we have to do 10 at a time. And I thought, oh my gosh, we can place another order of 10. But then I would text Jessica who placed her orders and said, Jessica, it's up to 60. Can you make it 60 signs? And then a couple hours later, 100, I need 100 signs. So to date, I think we're close to 1,700, almost 1,800 yard signs. Uh, Yeah, spread around 31 different states in five different languages and in 10 different countries. Um, And those aren't all yard signs because let me tell you, shipping yard signs or shoving them in your suitcase abroad is not doable. But we shipped, we, yeah, had to progress. So we did yard signs and people would say, can you make me a wristband? You know, those rubber wristbands. And I thought, oh, those are so out. So Lance Armstrong Live strong. you know, uh, no, I'm not doing those. We've sold 12,000 wristbands in the last five months, probably. So we've expanded to other tokens of hope and tokens of love that people have been thrilled to hand out. We had a mental health clinic just last week here in our own county decide to purchase 4,500 wristbands. And while the outside looks the same as the ones that you can buy online from our website, the inside has the local suicide crisis line on the inside of the wristband. And they're going to all the schools in our county talking about suicide prevention and thought that the wristbands were an incredible leave behind in making the kids feel like they belong to something bigger.
1: And, you know, to be honest, right before I discovered Don't Give Up Signs, I was in the checkout line of King supers. That's our local grocery store chain here, um, similar to Kroger and Fred Myers. And um, so I was in the checkout line and there's this young girl, just a um, little socially awkward, trying to make small talk kind of new to the position. And so we were having some grace because we have a family of five. So we had a ton of groceries going through this line. Um, but I noticed as she was, um, checking things through that, that there were some markings on her arm. And I was like, just my heart got real heavy real fast. And I was like, man, I, you know, it might be awkward for me to try to say something in this moment, but I was like, man, I wish there was something I could do. And now, you know, being able to like take a wristband with me or have something that I can have with me to maybe to, to give to someone like that um, and, and just offer even a, general word of encouragement is just so valuable. And, and I think we're in those positions every day. We just need to be aware of what's around us. Like,
2: yeah, that's so cool. I, one of the things that people are, people are saying, what can I do and how can I help? I'm a yeah. one man show. I mean, my kids help me <laughs> make signs and I do orders in between.
1: Literally back in back. your living
2: room. Yeah, it, right. But what they can do is, you know, spread the message buy product. But one of the fun tips is don't go anywhere without some token in your back pocket. The stories I've heard, I can't, we do not have time. The stories I've heard of just having something when you want to react and you want to build that bridge and you don't know how, and it's a stranger and it has to be quick. You know, what what on earth could we do? Well, the, the neat thing is that these are so small and so simple and they have lasting effect. You know, about the, your story reminds me, someone had asked me recently, like if, eat, if this movement had different scenes that really stuck out to you, what scene sticks out to you, sticks out to you? And I, by far one of them was this summer. Uh, there is a community in our town that uh, they're called Youth Outreach, and they create a safe place for at-risk teens or just teens not having other social circles or just kind of in the throes of life. And they found our yard signs to be a good initiator for conversation and said, hey, have you guys seen these signs? Well, what would you put on your sign to help spread hope? And so they actually had the kids make their own. They bought several dozen of ours and they committed every Friday afternoon between 4.30 and 5.30 rush hour in our town to stand on the highway or the, it's not really a major highway, our busiest street and hold out signs for an hour And I joined them most Fridays, and I remember standing out there and looking over and seeing that one young man's arms was just scars from wrist to elbow of self-harm. And here he is, standing on the sidewalk with a sign that says, you are worthy of love, where he is holding out hope for others, despite his own pain and suffering. And I just thought, this is the most profound example that we do not need to be perfect to make an impact. We just need to realize our shared humanity, that we are in this together, that none of us are perfect. And yet we always have something to offer. We always do. And it was so powerful to see this man offering hope to his community, even though his life wasn't perfect.
1: What are, what are some things that you're looking forward to with Don't Give Up Signs? Obviously, you said you've used different Physical type products, um, everything from stickers to cards to the wristbands to yard signs, car
2: decals. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, what gosh. what
1: what are you guys looking at going forward?
2: Sure. Well, when I started this and it took off, and thought, oh my gosh, I I thought to myself, oh, if we could get a a billboard, that would be amazing. And I checked out the prices and thought, ouch. And I had some people say, hey, we'll donate if you want to do that. Uh, But then we had a mental health clinic in Central Oregon reach out to us and say, we'll pay for it. Can you make your yard sign into a billboard? So we designed, Jessica designed one. And so there is currently a billboard, which is pretty awesome. And we we would love more. You know, it's interesting when this all took off, to answer your question, I don't know. When this all took off, we thought, what is happening? Scratching our heads, like how can these simple things be make such an impact? We really determined that we didn't want to be a business. I have my dream job. I'm not interested in making money. Um, that we're really not a nonprofit because we aren't for one cause. We aren't for one thing. You know, our timing was motivated by the suicide can prevention passion but it really i've heard people say these messages have meant so much to them because they're suffering from PTSD or their marriage has been really hard and they see a sign don't give up and it reminds them to keep fighting for their marriage so they they change how they commute to work so they see the sign every day to remind them i mean to you know someone fighting cancer and and trying to putting it in their own yard to try to encourage themselves people suffering with sexual harassment at work and feeling in a downward spiral of worthiness and shame people trying to lose weight having heart attacks with just their health trying to get more healthy people with self-harm thoughts and depression and anxiety i mean really it's it's resonated with so many people so we're not a nonprofit that is one thing so well that's why we named ourselves a movement and and that might have to change we might have to be a nonprofit soon because people wanna donate and I want them to feel like they can trust where it goes. But I I don't know about the future. I'm letting this roll out, which I'm a planner. So there's an element of taking some control out of this for me. And blowing wind in these sails as far as this movement wants to go and it is has no indication of slowing down anytime soon. I do have an interesting insight that I picked up about a month ago. I was speaking at a conference and a gal has a a business to help people through bereavement or grieving of any kind. She does writing workshops and kind of support groups. And I heard her speak at a conference and she said, you know, when people are suffering or we're in pain, our instincts are to try to offer encouragement. But that is the worst possible thing you can do because there is no amount of encouragement that removes our pain. And I, I lost my brother when I was 14 years old. I witnessed him drown in an accident at a nearby lake. And I i knew that firsthand. People said kind things out of good hearts, but it didn't fix anything. And sometimes it seemed insensitive. So i I understood what she was saying, but I was so confused because our movement is based off encouraging words. And it's Profoundly impacted people all over the country, and I. So I went up to her afterwards, and I said, "Megan, I don't know what's happening. I'm. I totally agree with you, but I have. I have this thing in my life, this movement. Can you help me understand why it's worked if encouragement isn't helpful?" And she said, "Oh, I know exactly why. Amy, you've created moments of sovereignty." And I said, oh, "I don't know what that means." <laughs> and she said. Moments of sovereignty is when, through the lens of our own suffering or pain, whatever it is, we see messages of hope, like a yard sign on our way to work, and we claim it for ourselves. And that is a moment of sovereignty where we see hope and we claim it. It's not being shoved down our throats. It's not trying to wash away our pain and suffering, but it was in our own hearts, in our own minds, where we were accepting of this message. And I it was like ding 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 ding. That is exactly that makes so much sense. That's exactly the moments that people are having with something so simple. But feel like it's just so a divine moment for them.
1: I mean, not to do it any disservice disservice, but it's like you're casting this wide net of encouragement saying it's it's yours for the taking and and letting people claim that.
2: My my daughter so we're, we're a Christian family and my daughter is seven and she, oh my gosh, she's had some great um, feedback about the movement. She said, mom, do you think there are burglars in town? And I said, what on earth? Yeah, but we have an alarm system. Don't worry about it. And she said, no, but if there are burglars in town and they see a sign that says, don't give up, do you think that they're going to be encouraged to keep stealing <laughs> I thought, oh, bless your heart. Uh, I don't think so. I think we're okay. But she she asked me one day, she said, mom, why don't you put God loves you on a sign? And that's really hard for me. I've really struggled with that because I think the greatest message of hope is not don't give up or that you're worthy of love or your mistakes don't define you or you're not alone. I think the greatest message of hope is that there is a savior and he is mighty and he's a good redeemer And how do I not put that on a yard sign, especially when my seven-year-old is telling me to? And pretty early on, I had decided that I couldn't put faith-based messages on the signs because it would turn off too many people who needed to hear it. And that has been hard for me. I've gone back and forth with that. But I remember we were passing out stickers at our Portland Saturday market in June we're passing them out and people are skeptical. Like free product, all right, what's the agenda? And they were just dumbfounded to hear there's no agenda, no strings here. And a guy, a guy came up to me and said, Oh gosh, are you are you a Christian? And I said, Well, I am. I believe in Jesus, but I didn't put that on a sign. And he said, Oh, okay. And he took the sticker and walked away. And I just thought, you know, when people feel like there's an agenda, they're skeptical and they're unwilling to hear hope. But when they feel like there is no agenda, they're more open. And I have decided that I'm going to pray for conversations to happen that are deeper, but that the first impression that there is seemingly no faith-based agenda. And that was really important for our movement. I mean, I remember at that Saturday market, there was a group of three or four individuals with a megaphone and a big yellow sign and the words, you know, you're going to hell, but, you know, Jesus saves. And, you know, I just kind of sat there and saw the difference between our approach and their approach. And, you know, what? I've heard lives being changed because of street uh, street preachers, and I don't scoff at that, but I have found that people are curious. And when you get them curious, I think it gives you opportunity instead of people shutting you out fairly quickly. So I, you know, it's, it's interesting to kind of compare strategies and I wouldn't even call the movement a strategy, but man, it's been a great, a great way to open doors with strangers.
1: Like what what are some of the most incredible or the ones that just kind of stick out to you off of top of mind right now? uh, The stories that you're hearing come coming from this movement, people either sharing it or people receiving it.
2: We had probably one of the the coolest stories, how there are so many, was that we have a family in our church who felt called to road trip from Oregon, West Coast, to Rochester, New York, East Coast. And they weren't quite even sure why they were going to do it. They had, they have three children and they decided, you know what? We're going to take an arsenal of love with us on this road trip. And they took 30 signs, hundreds of stickers, hundreds of small encouragement cards, and they left it, them, they left them in every gas station, restaurant, grocery store, they I uh, met people in parking lots, started conversations, would give them a yard sign. In fact, I had an order of yard signs come in from Ohio. And I thought to myself, I know no one in Ohio. <laughs> how did they find us? So I reached out and said, how, how did you find us? And she said, well, we saw a yard sign in a small town where near where we live. And we kind of did some research and found out who you were. And I thought, how did a yard sign get in Ohio? <laughs> I really... And then it hit me that this family had mentioned that in a parking lot in in Wisconsin, I believe, they met a woman from Ohio and had a sweet connection with her and gave her a yard sign. And she was driving back to her town. And so seeing a little bit of how this has spread is really quite fascinating. But the fact that this young family wanted to use our stuff as tokens of hope and truth and spread it so generously, a, tra- a literal trail across the United States. I got people connecting with us all over a couple of weeks after their trip, just finding our cards that have our contact information on them in pizza places. And like I said, gas stations, it was pretty phenomenal. Can I just offer some encouragement to people who might have an idea I I like I said I had this idea a couple of years ago and I didn't do it. And I now I think man it wasn't a dumb idea. I should have done it two years ago. Uh, and the day that we were going to put out the signs it was pouring down rain. Uh, you know we're going to go knock on doors and I thought to myself as we were loading the car up with our small children, oh my gosh, this is the dumbest idea. This is so lame. They're yard signs, Amy. Like, they're so simple. This is not going to mean anything. And then in my back of my head, I thought, at least it's anonymous. and People don't know it's me. <laughs> and I am so glad that I was quick to shut up the lies and just do it. And I just want to encourage anyone, if you've had this wild idea and you think it's dumb or you have these moments of doubt, they are lies. And you can just flick them away. And do what you know is a good thing. Uh, The second thing is, I you know, a lot of people say, Amy, you were so obedient. And I just have to say, I the idea did not come in a prayerful time. Uh, It did not come out of this deep will to obey God, although I hope I have that. It was just a random idea that I had, and it was a good idea. Hindsight, I see God's hand and influence in it. But... I just want to encourage you that sometimes when you have a really good idea, sometimes you just need to run with it. And if it costs you resource and it seems like a big deal, yeah, be prayerful, of course. But I wonder if sometimes we don't do things because we're waiting for this divine green light of sorts. And when in fact, it's just a good, right thing that we should do. So there, you know, with caution and, And I say, don't hesitate to pray, but also maybe maybe don't wait uh, on these good ideas that are just meant to be done. The other thing I would say is, you know, we've gotten news coverage in five different news outlets, uh, most recent being on TV in Ohio, of all places. And sometimes most news outlets will post their articles on their Facebook pages, and I've read through the comments and it's been really encouraging. However, there will be people who somehow always find negative things about something. And I have been a little dumbfounded that people could find something wrong in the signs, but they have. And I have decided that I will always respond in grace and that I will not get defensive And I won't take it personally. And instead of being mad, I'm going to graciously engage. And I'm going to ask them, if you don't like the messages, what would you put on a sign? And I'm going to be curious and be gracious. And so I just want to encourage you all, if you try to implement an idea and for some reason you're getting a hot backlash, I just want to encourage you, don't take it personally and keep on moving on.
1: To find out more about Don't Give Up Signs and to place an order, visit don'tgiveupsigns.com. You can also follow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, Don't Give Up Signs, all one word. To learn more about Amy Wolf and what she is doing to radically change our culture, visit our podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com.
0: Welcome to Reply All, where each week we pose a question and give you the chance to answer in our Creative Talks group. Last week we asked, what's one Christmas tradition that you find boring or that you dislike? You hit us up on our Creative Talks group and answered, here are a few of our favorites in no particular order or reading.
1: Lindsay Brooke Moss said, elf on the shelf. I know it's still a relatively new tradition, but it's very popular. And I agree, Lindsay. That just seems very, very strange to me, and I am not... Gonna do it with my children.
0: Loved the Elf on a Shelf the first year it was out. Right, one year was about its life.
1: Yeah, and then that was. Would you would you say that was its shelf life? Oh,
0: Ross, that was so good. Did you have that one prepared? No,
1: that just hit my brain. That
0: was right off the dome. That's perfect. Cody Jensen said, "Presents. Everything is so commercialized, and it comes with so much obligation. If gift giving is out of obligation, I'd rather not have it and just hang out and eat." I agree. I agree. Presents are too much.
1: Yeah. If you feel like it's becoming too commercialized. Yeah. Do something to, to get yourself out of that, uh, that funk. I mean, that's why there's friends giving around Thanksgiving. You know, it can be that whole black Friday thing instead of doing black Friday. If you don't want to do that, then, you know, do invite friends over for a game night that Friday, you know, something like that. I, I, that could be a good idea. I feel like
0: I'm a passionate giver. I love to give things. I love to give things away. Yeah. So,
1: Oh, yes. That's my wife, too.
0: Yeah, For me, I, I do express love in the gifts, but I do agree yeah. that it is a lot more commercialized than, you know, I'd like it to be because I want to give sentimental things. I want to give things of value yes. that I feel that, you know, really reflects the relationship. So if you are um, just giving, you know, just to give someone an iPod or a super TV, that's I, I don't know. I, that to me is, that that means hollow, you know, because I can get a super TV anytime I want. But if you want to give someone something for real, give them something that's of sentiment, that's of value to them and your relationship. So that's that's just my two cents.
1: So uh, I, I don't know if you know this person, uh, Nick, <laughs> but Lydia Goodner said, said that uh, she dislikes eggnog, including a little blah and uh, boring eggnog. Um, I'm going to have to vehemently disagree, Lydia, because Dairy Gold eggnog is the best, although... I did have someone telling me the other day, uh, this weekend at church, that um, Royal Crest is like, um, it's a special brand around here. I don't know if it's a national thing, but literally people have milk boxes that there's a Royal Crest delivery guy. They still do that. It's literally the milkman. Um they will take it around. They said that that eggnog is even better than Dairy Gold. So maybe this week or this next weekend, I'm going to see if my standards will be raised above Dairy Gold. But I will say not all eggnog is created equal. So if she had a terrible beginning experience into eggnog, then I totally understand it. Or if it's just that she can't get her mind around the egg part of eggnog, because no, it does not taste like you're drinking raw eggs. Uh, that's just on her.
0: Tk Spencer said, "Decorating the house and office for the holidays." Tk, come on,
1: man. That's the best part about
0: Christmas is all the decoration. That's like that's like the Grinches. That was like catalyst for the whole Grinch thing. Ah, yeah. I love, exactly. I love, I love Tk. No matter what, so he's an awesome guy. He's a phenomenal photographer. So I'll, I'll bear, I'll bear. But still, you
1: have to let it, have to let it pass. I understand. So One of those just, things about the friendship you can accept.
0: I can accept it. You know. Love TK, so he, he, you're good. You're good. You don't have to decorate the house, but just you know, try to find some enjoyment in it, it, it just a little.
1: Well, here here is one thing that we can all find enjoyment in, and uh, this week, obviously, Star Wars Episode Eight is coming out. Woo! Um, so the reply all question this week is, what is your favorite Star Wars movie? And for bonus points, which don't really matter in a podcast, why? Mm. So I would say that. I did grow up watching some of the original trilogy, um, not religiously. My, my dad was not um, big into movies and entertainment, but I did discover them. And Return of the Jedi has a special place in my heart. I know Empire is, is kind of just that, the storytelling pinnacle and all that of the original trilogy. But man, the speeders... The, the story of, of what they were doing in Return of the Jedi all just spoke to me at that point in my life. And so, you know, it's just one of those things I've held on to since then. So it definitely holds a special place in my heart. And I will say, um, man, with the new ones, though, they're offering some competition to uh, coming up next with Empire. So we'll see how Episode 8 does. But, but I have high hopes.
0: I, I'm actually sweating to answer this because I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I could pick one. Um, I will say Return of the Jedi is up as there. long as uh,
1: there's no episode one through three in there. Oh, good. oh, god,
0: no, um, no. Uh, but I, Return of the Jedi has probably one of my favorite visual pieces of storytelling, in which, mm. uh, you know, Luke does wear black throughout the entire film in his clothing. Yes, and uh, whenever he's facing the Emperor and uh, he stands up and says, "No, I'll never join you. I'm a Jedi like my father before me," his flap on his shirt actually falls down, and at that point, it reveals like a white. And that's whenever you see for the first time that he does have a good side to him. And it's told through costuming, which is, it's to me, that's one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. Rogue One also kind of has that with uh, the parents saying, you'll never win, Krennic. You'll never win. And then whenever you get to the end, um, Felicity Jones' character says, you've lost. And so that's, that's another one of those things. So both of those movies are really high on my list, but I'm going to have to go with, empire i'm sorry i know it's cliche i know it's cliche for star wars fans to go with empire but empire to me is just
1: it's a solid
0: choice it's it's it brings everything together and it just makes everything super magical so so on that note we'll go ahead and we'll wrap things up there are a few great ways that you can share your appreciation for the creative church podcast first subscribe and add us to to your favorite podcatcher and we also release all of our episodes on our website at creativechurch.com
1: Also, review this podcast and show us some Rating Star Love on iTunes so we can get more exposure and just prepare everybody for the imminent robot takeover.
2: Oh,
0: there we go. Perfect. Uh, Lastly, consider sharing this episode on social media. Please share this episode on social media, I should say. It helps us get more listeners and it helps us grow the Creative Church community. So. Uh, you can find us by searching our handle Creative Church. That's one word, C-R-T-V Church. Special thanks to Amy for joining us today. You can check out all that she's doing by heading over to our podcast episode page on our website at CreativeChurch.com. Also, thanks to Stock Hub for sponsoring today's show. Do us a big favor and go check them out and uh, go sign up for that 14-day trial. In the meantime, my name is Nick Goodner. I'm Ross Montgomery. And we will see you next episode. Thank you for listening to the creative church podcast creative church exists to bring creators together for more information visit our website at creativechurch.com that's crtvchurch.com